0: There's nothing I can give you on that. Not all of Cheney's answers were so brief, but he clearly knew where he wanted to draw a line. There were subjects he would discuss, and others he would not. Over the next 34 months, I would spend nearly 30 hours in one-on-one interviews with Cheney for this book. On the telephone from my home, on my cell phone from a dingy Wyoming motel, at the vice president's residence in Washington, D.C., aboard Air Force Two, somewhere over the Midwest, and again flying back from Afghanistan, and another time returning from Iraq. He was considerably more forthcoming. Cheney spoke about his boyhood in Nebraska, his difficulties at Yale, and his two arrests for drunk driving. He talked about the psychological impact of having a heart attack at 37, the power struggles of the Ford administration, his frustrations in Congress, the high points and low points of his time at the Pentagon, and the cross-country driving trip he took alone as he considered a run for the White House. We discussed the dynamics of the Bush administration, his role as vice president, his reaction to 9-11. He surprised me with his candor about the mistakes of post-war Iraq and the personal and professional toll of the unrelenting criticism directed his way but he still knew where he wanted to draw a line. On August 9, 2006, I interviewed him at his home in Jackson, Wyoming, as I had the previous summer and would again in two weeks. Cheney was relaxed and actually seemed to be enjoying the interview. Throughout our conversation, now in its fifth hour, he had been remarkably open about his career in Congress and as Secretary of Defense there had been exceptions though as there had been two years earlier to set up an amusing anecdote he told me about an urgent call summoning him to the White House on his first day at the Pentagon when he finished the story I asked what seemed like an obvious follow-up do you remember what the meeting at the White House was about pause I do there was a long silence I looked at him expectantly, raised my eyebrows, and gave him an encouraging out-with-it nod of my head. He laughed a little, but said nothing. Um, I said, anything you can talk about? It's classified still. I told this story to another journalist traveling with me on one of Cheney's trips, a highly respected White House correspondent for one of the country's leading newspapers. We chatted a bit about covering the Bush White House and about writing books. Then he asked me a question that has stuck in my mind ever since. Don't you think your book will have to be a hatchet job in order to have any credibility? From his perspective, it must have been a reasonable concern. After all, I write for the Weekly Standard, a conservative magazine that has often supported the Bush administration, particularly in foreign and national security policy matters, where Cheney's influence is greatest. One of my articles ran under the headline, Dick Cheney Was Right. It was a lengthy defense of Cheney, pushing back against misreporting of his views by the mainstream press. The article offered lots of supporting documentation and a heavy dose of outrage. This book, a reported biography, has a different and much simpler purpose, to tell the story of Dick Cheney's life. And while I came to the book sympathetic to Cheney's views, I tried to go where the reporting took me. It will be up to others to determine whether I succeeded or failed. At several points in the book... I describe a different Dick Cheney from the one who has emerged from more than six years of scrutiny in the White House. Given the access I had to him, and those closest to him, that is not surprising. In an email to a top Cheney aide, Bill Keller, executive editor of the New York Times, tried to persuade Cheney to cooperate more with reporters from his paper. Keller said that understanding political figures, particularly conservatives, requires access and journalists who possess a deep quality of open-mindedness and an ability to listen without reflexive cynicism. He continued, our job is not to support our leaders, not to buy into any administration, Democrat or Republican, but our job should be to figure out what they believe and why. And how all of that shapes the policies they make. We are obliged.